Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Reduce Shakespeare Company's Book Club of the Air. This week, we're talking about the Royal Shakespeare production of The Taming of the Shrew, in which the roles were gender-swapped, and Petruchio was Petruchia, and Kate was Kate, but with testicles. My wife, Dee Ryan, and I saw the broadcast of it at a local cinema near us. We came out wanting to talk about it. We had so many questions. So we rang up our friends Mia Gosling, the creator and artist of the Internet's greatest and possibly only stick figure Shakespearean webcomic, and Kate Pitt, dramaturg, scholar, director, both of whom saw this production in real life at, in Stratford at the Royal Shakespeare Company. Mia, Kate, D, welcome all. It's a party. It's a girl party. Exactly. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 712, Gender Flipping the Shrew. A year ago exactly, in August 2019, NT Live broadcast into cinemas the Royal Shakespeare Company production of The Taming of the Shrew, which flipped the genders of most of the characters. Dee and I saw it in the cinemas and were excited to talk about the production with our friends Mia Gosling, the creator of the Good Tickle Brain Shakespeare webcomic, and dramaturg Kate Pitt. And I was planning on posting this conversation earlier this spring, with when this same RSC production, this same Royal Shakespeare Company production was supposed to open here at the Chicago Shakespeare Theater. Sadly, I don't know when or if that will ever happen, so I'm posting it here now, just in case you want to listen to a book club conversation about Taming of the Shrew. Mia Gosling started us off, and I apologize in advance for the strange hiss in the recording. Well, uh, I think Taming is one of those plays where it is really fun to play around with uh, the gender of the characters. And I saw maybe five or six years ago, I saw a production by the Propeller Shakespeare Company, which is an all male um, Shakespeare company. Uh, and it really was the first time I saw Taming that uh, had me think about it in different ways because having all the characters be played by men, they really played up the psychological abuse of Kate. And it was really kind of a bleak production um, but it made me realize just how important the gender uh, of the characters and of the people playing the characters is to how audiences perceive this play with its many inherent problems. So I think uh, I was really excited to see a production where uh, it wasn't all men playing women, but it was actually gender flipped. And it wasn't just women were playing the male characters. It was the male characters had become female characters and that they had created this whole sort of alternate history where it was an Elizabethan matriarchy where the women inherently had all the power in society. And so I thought that was uh, a really interesting way to play around with gender in Taming. I was just super excited to see a production of Taming that wasn't watching a woman get beat up for two and a half hours. Right. Um, I'm not sure that it was more comfortable seeing a man get beat up for two and a half hours. Um, but it was it was really interesting in the ways in which the fact that 
usually I've seen Petruchio's who are bigger than Kate's. And a lot of the production is just her getting thrown around the stage, uh, which isn't all that interesting. And the fact that in the, even though the women had that enormous hair, the fact that Kate was bigger than Petruchio was visually incredibly interesting. Kate, the the, Kate, Kate, the man was bigger than Petruchia, the woman. The woman. Yes. Uh, and I, I thought that was really interesting in terms of, uh, Petruchia had to find ways to exert power over Kate that were societal and not just physical. That there had to be an internalized, some kind of oppression or something that wasn't just, I can beat you up, therefore I win. Why do you think they, she's Petruchia, I guess because it's the Italian ending, but I think it's interesting they kept him as Kate. I mean... And not Caleb or... You know. Yeah, I think part of that was it was it's it was hard to find a close analog to Catherine or Kate that would be able and because Kate's name is actually spoken so often in the text, uh, you know, if you changed it to Nate or something like that, it would still it would still be uh, jarring and somehow take you out. Whereas I think Pete Petruchia and Bianco are similar enough that you don't really notice them after a while. But I think Kate is not a direct analog or a way to change that, and so they they were stuck with Mister Kate. Yeah, although I thought it was interesting that because they do call her Katharina, they didn't change that to Katharino, mm. which seemed that because it was an Italian play and all the endings, most of the endings are A or O, it's more than a lot of Shakespeare plays. I felt like it was pretty simple to regender it simply by changing all the A's to O's. Yeah, and I think Kit is very close to Kate and mm. Catherine and Christopher. I don't, I mean, I just, I thought it was really interesting. Also, that uh, the groom was not gender switched. Right. So there were several characters, um, I think, whose who's gender swapping, because the, the, the premise being that there was a matriarchy and the people who were in control were the women and then the servants were all men. And so since Petruchia's servant was a lower status, they kept him as a man. They had to fudge it a bit because they kept, uh, obviously, um, Lucentia and Trania mm-hmm. had to be the same gender because they end up disguising each other. And then they kept Biondella. They, 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 they had her change gender instead of keeping Biondello, even though it's a servant role. But I think keeping um, Grumio as a male character was sort of emphasizing the fact that the servant characters are men and the masters are the women. Interesting. Well, I was curious that the, most of the servants were members of a minority class. You know, um, the one servant was kind of a, an effeminate male, which led me to think that he was queer. One of the servants was in a wheelchair and was just harangued. And she was hysterical. She had that great speech near the end. Um, one of the servants was mute and signed uh, her part. I found that all fascinating. And I think, Kate, you were talking about power. I think this is the one thing that the production really captured well and maybe captured the power of the original production in that this is a powerful society treating the power less in, in, in horrible ways. But I wasn't sure they really recreated the comedy mm. of it. What do we think? Yeah. I think you can deconstruct any good comedy 
and it'll be about power and it'll be about something um, upsetting because it should be because that's part of why we are laughing is that the tension of a reality being shown to us. So I love how disturbing the power dynamics are and the flip of the gender really hits home um, about how, you know, Kate really, she's a shrew, but she's stuck being that way in a society that won't, um, in a patriarchal society. Um, but, you know, Austin and I don't necessarily think this is a tragedy. We think that it's a love story and it's a comedy and that's not what the second half of this production is. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that. Where I feel like there's definitely a choice at the end whether or not Petruchio and Kate actually love each other. And at the end of this, I felt like they trusted each other and that maybe love would come. That seems accurate. I, 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 thought, the, I thought the actress playing Petruchio was amazing. I, 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 but... Uh, you're right. I wish that they had loved each other more. I, I, I've always been a fan of this play. I think it's a romance between two, two people who really deserve each other and, and who might not have many other options in the society in which they live. So I'm always trying to find the way into it that way. I mean, this is easily the third or fourth podcast I've devoted to this play. So clearly it's, it, it's important. Do you guys... As a younger generation from me and uh, a slightly different gender from me, do you guys like this play or is it, or you go, why are we wasting time on this play? We should never do it again. I, I love this play. Um, and I, I resist the, the fact that productions I've seen have tried to fix it mm. or to fix that there's something, because that assumes that there's something wrong with the play. Um, and sort of also centering all of that in Kate's last speech. Like, everyone is waiting to see how that is done. And it's either a comedy or a tragedy, depending on how that's done. Um, so I think it's a play that should be done and that there's a lot of value to it being done. Um, and I think that the gender swap made it really interesting. I don't, I don't have a ton of interest in going to see a quote-unquote, like, straight production of Taming. Right. Where people are just getting beaten up. Um, but I was really excited to see this because I thought it would make me see it, see the play in a different way. And it did. And I think part of that was how with Bianco in particular, how they figured out how to do straight male vanity <laughs> with like the really long hair was super interesting. Yeah, as for me, it's, it's, this play has always been one uh, kind of a problematic one growing up because uh, we would go and see productions of it and my mom would hate to go and see it. She was just like, this is an anti-feminist play, this is misogynistic. And, you know, it is. But it, I think with the joy with all Shakespeare plays is the amount of mutability in them. It's like the amount that you can play around with them and see what other things are in there and sort of bring it out. And I think uh, that's why I was excited to see this production, is to see what the gender swap um, brought out of it. And it actually uh, was a lot more thought-provoking than I expected. And we were talking to some friends in Stratford um, who'd been to a production to, to one of the productions of Taming, where they were wandering around the lobby, listening to what people were saying. And 
So, for example, there were a, a whole bunch of young women there talking about the production, and they were all saying, oh, it's so gross how Gremia, this old woman, is, is putting the moves on Bianco, this young man. Isn't that gross? And you just ma- that kind of thing just makes you stop and think, like, why is it gross when the older woman has designs on the young man? Why don't we feel the same level of grossness in Gremio is lusting after Bianca? And so I think uh, the gender flipping really helped bring out those kinds of moments that challenge you. It's like, why is this more disturbing if it's a woman doing it to a man? You know, why is this man's reaction to this position more disturbing than if it was a woman? So I really uh, enjoyed that. I mean, and that's one of the joys of taming is uh, that people now are playing around with these things and trying to see, like, like basically uh, using the play as an experiment to see what other things they can bring out of it by playing around with it. Yeah. I think that the last image that you're left with in this is really about a relationship where they do have a sense of connection, but in a a submissive, dominant relationship, and that's really disturbing, Um, which is kind of great. It's really, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and because the play is the taming of the shrew, and we know that we're going to see Kate change over the course of the play from a shrew to whatever she is at the end. Um, and it feels like part of the line between whether this is a comedy or a tragedy is how much Petruchio changes. That's or right. Or if Petruchio changes as well. That Kate is definitely going to change. And if Petruchio doesn't change, it's a tragedy. And if he does change, it's a comedy. Totally agree. We talked about that as we left the theater. Did Petruchia change? I don't I don't think so. In fact, if anything, she got more dominant. And see, for me, I think the scene where she with a in my mind, the scene where they where they where she makes is it the sun, is it the moon? That that to me is a place where they come to an agreement about the game they're playing with each other as equals. Now that's maybe the play I'm directing, but in this play, it was a real taming in a, in like taming a dog way. And that leads to tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that scene is so interesting. I was thinking about that scene in relation to Henry Kate and Henry Five, and that they're both really similar scenes, and that it's a woman meeting a man for the first time who she has to marry. She doesn't have a choice about it. And in both the first Kate Petruchio scene and the Kate Henry scene, there, you can play that scene really cute and adorable, and you can play it really dark. That like there's banter and it's sweet, but also she ultimately doesn't have a choice in either play. Um, and in both plays, she has to literally adopt his language. In Henry V, Kate has to learn English. And in Taming, as you said, Kate has to say the sun is the moon, say that two o'clock is seven o'clock. The men force the women in both plays to literally adopt, to put their words in their mouths in order to communicate. And it's, that again, that line between comedy and tragedy, that you can do both scenes really funny and slapstick, and you can do both scenes really dark. Hi, I'm Rachel Dratch, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast.
Where can you RSC the RSC? Right now, the only place to see the remote Shakespeare Company is online. We've created a brand new page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, and a playlist on our YouTube page, where right this second you can watch us perform many of our epic abridgments from the comfort of your own shelter, plus some brand new videos we've recorded and shot especially for right now. You can also grab your own copy of Pop-Up Shakespeare, written by me and Reed Martin and beautifully illustrated by Jenny Mazels. It's on sale worldwide, and you can find links to both Amazon and independent bookstores in the U.S. and the U.K. on our website. And now back to my conversation about the RSC's The Royal Shakespeare Company's gender flip production of Taming of the Shrew with Mia Gosling, a.k.a. Good Ticklebrain, and dramaturg Kate Pitt. Dee and I read Taming of the Shrew uh, for a recent meeting of our book club, the Grand named North Shore Shakespeare Society, and Dee told us what happened next. Austin asked you about your generation because we read this with Nis, with my son and daughter happened to be home, and they were shocked that we liked the play. Um, and my son, who's a classics major, was saying this play should never be done again. Um, so. It's and I said and I'm saying it, but it's a romance. He starves her dad, and I'm saying I'm not saying it's not problematic, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, well, Austin, I'm interested in the point you made earlier about the idea that these are the only two people that these two people are perfect for each other, yeah. because that seems like also true of some other Shakespeare couples like Beatrice and Benedict right. who also have a war That's but we right. find that much more acceptable and they're a troublesome couple they're really mean to other people they're everyone calls them cruel well everyone calls Beatrice cruel um well and Benedict's a fool yeah but but m m Shakespeare's most successful couples are problematic Beatrice and Benedict Kate and Petruchio Lady and Mr. Macbeth uh, Romeo and Juliet. Romeo. I mean, Romeo is such an idiot. Yeah. yeah, all the women deserve much better than the men that they have. And this is one of the things I like so much about this play, is that Kate is a spirited woman in a time that doesn't want that. And, and here's a guy who absolutely, I think it's in the text as well, thinks that she's pretty great. You know, but I, and I think this is one thing that the, the Stratford production um, didn't accomplish is that you didn't really see Kate um, exhibiting such behavior to warrant what people said about him. Um, and, 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 and if you stage that kind of behavior, you can then repeat that behavior later on where Petruchio or Petruchia is imitating that behavior to show Kate, see how terrible this behavior is? And Petruchio can either be doing it as a teacher or it's just because Petruchio's a jerk as well. Actually, I thought this was one of the really uh, interesting parts of this Stratford production was how Kate's shrewishness, shrewishness manifested itself uh, because he, the male Kate, had to be angry and forceful without resorting to uh, contemporary forms of masculine anger. Like I'd say he couldn't make himself really big. 
he couldn't yell because in that society that the, the play created, men were subservient and he had a place and he had to stay within that box. So it was very interesting, I thought, watching him try and uh, enact all of Kate's shrewishness without resorting to shouting and running around the stage, which female Kates often do. Uh, so I thought that was a very interesting effect of the gender flip. Particularly since he's a taller actor and was bigger than many of them, he actually had to shrink himself a little bit. But yes, I, and that sort of physicality I found. I, I'm oh, the not whole sure I buy that because right now we're living in a place where the patriarchy threatened, i.e. Lindsey Graham, the Kavanaugh hearing, act out in that, like, peacocky way and screaming everyone and shouting them down so I was a little unhappy at how subdued Kate was in those first acts um, especially you... the first time we see her she's eating a piece of food which seemed um, because the idea is everyone's saying she's a shrew I, I feel and like that's was... robbing women like women are shrews because they're screaming but a man is a shrew by... Eating a chicken leg. No, I, I can see both of what you're, both points here because I agree with what you're saying, Mia, but I also agree from a staging standpoint, Kate was so recessed upstage right, she wasn't anywhere, he wasn't anywhere near the dominant uh, harridan that uh, he's supposed to be. Yeah, and while I agree that it, we didn't see that as much in the first scene with Petruchio, I do feel like we saw that in Kate's scene with Bianco, where she like chases him on stage with scissors, threatening to cut his hair. Yes, and I, weren't you peeing at that point? No, I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No, I'm an unreliable narrator. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was quite a lot of very interesting uh, physicality going on with the play. And I, we, again, we talked to some of our friends at Stratford who, because uh, one of my questions is why, if the women are in this all-powerful matriarchy, why are they all wearing these huge Elizabethan dresses, which are, you know, for me, it looks encumbering and constricting and actually reduces your ability to impose yourself on the world. And we were told that, that the reason for these costumes was they were basically women spreading. The dresses were huge and so that they could physically take up more space. And so you look at when the men and the women were on stage together, the women were occupying like 75% of the stage real estate. And the men in their very sleek costumes were just like off getting lost behind all these giant dresses. And so that I thought was a very sort of interesting take on um, females taking up space on stage. I love that. Yeah, and that was, that was great. Yeah, you got to see it and we're watching it on video. So I think that the discussion about the fact that he... Kate is tall and lean where she is doing a lot of big, she got big hair, she's doing a lot of biz, physical presence and he is more cut and making himself smaller. That's kind of awesome. Yeah, and, and in the staging, the way, I think there were, there were times when the women would kiss the men's hands when they were introduced. And the, that striking image at the final feast of the women sitting in chairs and the men all on cushions, mm -hmm. I thought was really striking that ties into that point of how do you take up, how do the women take up more space? They need a chair because they can't sit down in those big dresses where the men can sort of like curl up at their feet. Um, so it was really interesting in terms of just how they 
in in a world where they're still shorter than the men and less physically big, how they literally take up more space. Well, and and I love the ending too because it, 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 it's a play about um, gender roles, really, and and at the very end, you feel like even in this production that I didn't think was as romantic as maybe it could have been, you feel like Kate and Petruchia are a team in a way, and, and, and possibly a more successful uh, union partnership than these other traditional, in air quotes, relationships in which once the women, once the men are married to the women, they no longer have to obey. Now they're in charge, and um, which is creepy and weird in a different way, but that Kate and Petruchia are really are a team. They've agreed to the rules of the game, as Dee was describing it. Yeah, I think, I think that's so interesting, because we know that Petruchio gets into it for the money. And to that question we were discussing before of how or if Petruchio changes, is it still just about the money at the end? Or does he leave the money and take Kate? Or do they get the money together? That last gesture has a lot to do about like wh whether or not they are a team, whether or not they're separate, which game are they playing? So it's interesting for us because we saw a clip before the, the stage play in which the actress says they are in love, which, you know, it's, that's not, I don't think that's cool actually, right? So she's already told us that, uh, that the two characters are in love with each other. But I'm not sure if she hadn't told us. That we would have... Known that. Well, she also this said... Part of she, the, this is part of the pre-broadcast yes. special features thing? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. She also said um, that she was very... That, a, that, that an element for Petruchia that was very important was that her mother had just died. And you could see the actress make a big meal of Petruchio talking about his recently deceased mother. Her recently deceased mother. Um, which I thought was great and lovely, but I, again, I wish she had made a similar clear moment about when she decided, hey, this Kate is even better than I, she's rich and she's really interesting. I like that. I mean, I wanted to see more of that. Um, I think there is that moment. I don't know if you, I mean, there's a love at first sight moment, yeah. which I didn't necessarily need or I feel is warranted really. I felt that was telling me that there's a physical love attraction. Yeah. Um, I just wanted more, I, I wanted more sparks between my romantic sparks, not sparks of conflict. I, I totally agree. I think they're both, they were both phenomenal, but I miss that like intense chemistry that you get obviously with like Burton and Taylor for very complicated reasons. Um, <laughs> but in, in a play where the leads have been played so often by married couples, there was a surprising lack of exactly those sparks, that chemistry. There was trust. There was something there. But it was a weirdly kind of sexless production. Um, I mean, I'll just say that Taming is, on paper, not one of my favorite plays. And I am, you know, deeply aware of how problematic it is, but on the other hand, it's actually becoming a play that I am more interested to see different productions of than other plays, because I think it is one of the plays that is so very dependent now 
on interpretation, on di directorial choice, on sort of concept. Uh, you can change it from a domestic abuse tragedy to a totally fluffy comedy, just you know, sticking with the same text, just based on uh, how you interpret it. And I think the, the elasticity of the play uh, is really, really fascinating. And so seeing this one, which is the first time I've seen a gender flip taming, uh, just raised a lot of interesting issues with the play that I hadn't considered before. And I really enjoyed sort of thinking them through. And I, I don't necessarily think it solves the play in any sort of way. Um, I don't know the, yeah, I don't know if the play either needs to be solved or can be solved, but it raised a lot of interesting things to think about, and I really enjoyed that. The thing I love about the play is that Shakespeare, was, Shakespeare the showman, was saying, you know what I'll do is I'll write a battle of the sexes comedy, but I'll also make it a satire of battle of the sexes comedy. And I think that's why I like the play so much, because at its best it can work, it can be both things. You know, it, it always it's always interesting to think about how in those days there are men play there. It's already being it's already gender flipped, and how much of it is pres is performative and presentational, and how much is grounded in reality, which is the way we play it now. Um, so I think that's interesting. I also thought what's interesting in this play. Were, were those last two monologues. Her, Petruchia's monologue about dominance and talking about like almost nation state mm. and power. And to me, she was a redhead. She kind of looked like Elizabeth. And that really landed to me where it's never landed before. And then just that, um, why, are, why are men so stupid? Right. I mean, that speech... I just he, whether he just delivered it so well, or to hear it from a different gender, it's really, it really hits home. Yeah. I I am ashamed that men are so simple. Yeah. Yeah. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Send us your Shakespeare book club talking points via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can also find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSE Podcast, on Instagram at Reduced Shakespeare Company, or on, my, or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener. You can follow Mia Gosling and Kate Pitt on Twitter at Good Tickle Brain and at Kate Pitt. Thanks, as always, to gender-positive, big fan of genders, Matthew Croak. Web services by Ginger Power Limited. Music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Buford Stowers. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to old chum and not-at-all-shrewish Rachel Dratch. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please stay safe, stay home, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Tishner, 712-2036th of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. I'll just ask this final question, and this is probably the most important uh, thing we'll need to resolve, is that my podcast titles are always three words. Is gender flipped one word or two? It's hyphenated. Hyphenated. So, so it's one word. Gender flipping the shrew. There's our title. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.